0: And that was mushroom in tribute to Damo Suzuki. You're with Julian on the Brown note and a review of the 1981 Agatha Christie, 82 Agatha Christie film, Evil Under the Sun, uh, which is a book she wrote in 1941 and, and quite a celebrated one as well. Uh, this one's directed by Guy Hamilton, who is most known for um, his Diamonds Are Forever, Goldfinger, Live and Let Die, Man with a Golden Gun. Only one of those was actually a really good James Bond film, sadly. And he directed enormous numbers of films, um, including Force 10 from Navarone, Battle of Britain and so on. Um, And virtually nothing after Evil Under the Sun, Remo Williams. I've actually watched that when it came out. So um, he lived in Mallorca and the original book um, by Agatha Christie was set, I think, in Devon and starts with the murder of a young woman who's found in the moors um, and she's been um, bludgeoned to death and strangled and Hercule Poirot who is one of her most esteemed detectives is brought in by the insurance company to try and find out if the husband has been in any way involved and um, he deems that not to have been the case and the insurer then says um, We've got this other troubling matter, which is we've got this multimillionaire who's got this diamond ring. He's insured for you know a couple of hundred grand or something, which is you know this is a lot of money today, like half a million or more today. Um, but it's fake. And why would this multimillionaire do such a thing? And Poirot said, because you know he's worth so much more money. Why would he commit such an obvious fraud? and Hercule Poirot goes off to meet him uh, on his yacht and discovers that he'd been engaged to marry a woman who was an actress and had given it to her as a gift for their wedding and she had ditched him after just three weeks of engagement and given him the diamond back, which sets in motion the story of the incredibly influential story of Under the Sun. It's very much... Uh, influential on the second Knives Out film. So it's basically a bunch of rich people go to an island and there's a murder mystery. So he relocates a whole thing, Guy Hamilton relocates it to where he lived which was um, the island of Mallorca off of Spain Uh, and he makes this um, very small elite exclusive island where there's one hotel on it owned by a woman that was the partner of a of spanish royalty i think they make up a country what was it called i see it was a really badly named made up country as well but she basically the king fobbed her off when he met someone younger and prettier and gave her the whole island so she runs this exclusive hotel and all these rich people gather every year uh, and bitch and moan at each other which is you know basically what happened in the um, knives out too um, but this the reason this is so interesting is um, they had a massive relaunch of Agatha Christie with um, the amazingly star-studded Murder on the Orient Express, I think around 1974 and then again. And that one had um, Albert Finney as Hercule Poirot. And now Hercule Poirot has been relaunched um, with, uh, what's his face? I can't remember the English actor who is now um, A Haunting in Venice. I I didn't remember it before. Who's the one that's relaunched? He's now done three. Kenneth Branagh. Kenneth Branagh has now relaunched basically the same thing because he's already done Murder on the Orange Express and Death in Venice. But his third film was A Haunting in uh, Venice, which I said was the best of the three. I thought the first one was rubbish. The second one was half really good. Very underappreciated, Death on the Nile. And then the third one, A Haunting in Venice, I thought they got virtually everything right. Um, So this time around, he's relocated from the uh, miserable rainy moors to an idyllic island. And Hercule Poirot turns up because the the woman that was the uh, fiancé, of the multimillionaire who's it's inferred possibly swapped this very valuable diamond uh, while she was in possession of it for a much cheaper one and she's Diana Rigg and she is um, the very esteemed actress and the play that she was in she just bowed after three weeks on and the two people that put the play on are two of the other guests in the hotel so they are very very angry at her for bailing and she's shown to be an appalling human being and um, also Roddy McDowell is an author who's just written a biography of uh, the Diana Rigg character uh, Arlena and she's refusing to let him release it which means that he's already spent all of the money that the publishers gave him and is in deep trouble and then there's this young couple uh, Jane Birkin and Nicholas Clay as uh, patrick redfern and christine redfern where she's a very timorous mousy woman who and they both turn up as this married couple where she won't go out in the sun um, and diana Rigg just flirts with her husband and goes off and has affairs with him in full view of everyone um, and the old, the whole opening hour or so is just sets up virtually every character to have a very credible reason to murder diana rigg who is indeed murdered. It's a spoiler alert, but it's an Agatha Christie murder mystery, and you know exactly who is going to get it from virtually the very start. Um, The most revolutionary aspect of this should be the worst, and that is the fact that it is played as the broadest, most farcical comedy. Um, Having a detective story, particularly an Agatha Christie detective story, um, made into that, should be an absolute fatal flaw. Um, (coughs) But, when you've got a script that is this dazzlingly acidic and toxically brilliant, delivered by a cast from heaven, this whole film becomes something much more than the sum of its parts. In fact, it is much more like uh, a European film and it made me think of Jean Renoir's classic film Le Regle de Jeu*, or The Rules of the Game regarded by many as one of the great films of all time uh, a film about rich people hanging out one night and it's all about class and manners and uh, an incredible script and incredible performers and the script here by um, the screenwriter Anthony Schaeffer who wrote Sleuth who wrote Frenzy for Hitchcock who wrote The Wicker Man uh, as well as Murder on the Orient Express. Um, he hasn't done that many, but he's like some of the dialogue in it is so full on. Um, now, the cast itself is just jaw dropping. Peter Ustinov as Hercule Poirot uh, is, is magnificent. Jane Birkin is fantastic as a slow burn character. Um, James Mason, Roddy McDowell. And the two pinnacles of this whole thing are Diana Rigg and Dame Maggie Smith. Many years before Downton Abbey, it's it's almost sad. It is actually quite sad when Diana Rigg is exiting the movie because by far the strongest elements are watching Maggie Smith and Diana Rigg go tear chunks out of each other without breaking a sweat. Just put down upon put down and toxicity... It's magnificent. I found this to be an unexpectedly brilliant film. I would have considered giving it an unrealistically high score. The only the only downside is once Diana's gone, we do lose some of that propulsion because um, you don't even need a story. It's just watching these people, just this impeccable cast with an astonishing script. Um, which kind of makes you raise your eyebrows at times because they some of the lines of dialogue are so full on. Um, it doesn't need anything else. It's almost annoying that the murder mystery has to come into play. And the other thing is, is it's such an intricate and overplayed murder mystery that she over exits on a few elements where the credibility falls down in some areas. But I have to say the the whole Hercule Poirot sequence at the end where he delivers his um, and that's the, the, undoubtedly the character that Daniel Craig's detective is based on, where he delivers his soliloquy to the expectant guests. Um, it's, it kind of has a first act, a second act, and a third act, uh, and the, the it earns it. Earns it. Um, it, it like this. I was c- kind of thinking like some of these elements required a bit of coincidence to happen, and it's you know there's a bit of contrivance to knit it all together but then there's such interesting elements with such jaw-dropping moments uh, in this sort of multi-layered accusation that um, it's, it actually earns its right and it is very little wasted scenes in here um, the cast is impeccable uh, Jane Birkin gets to slow burn in the background before erupting uh, Maggie Smith and Diana Rigg are just fantastic and it feels like Nell, uh, Nell Coward play which is very suitable for the fact that all of the music is by Cole Porter. So it's like they've made a 1980s Agatha Christie film written by Noel Coward and and scored by Cole Porter and done in a modernist way. Uh, It's magnificent. Probably, the you know, maybe it was the least appreciated because it doesn't have that sort of self-seriousness of Murder on the Orient Express where everyone's playing it very, very straight and everything's about the twists and the turns. Here it's a much more European farce uh, and all the better for it. And I would say that um, as, as strictly as a film, even though it's not as representative as of an Agatha Christie style as the other films, Evil Under the Sun is the best Agatha Christie film. And I'm going to give it a 9 out of 10, only knocking it back slightly for a couple of those elements. So 9 out of 10 for Evil Under the Sun Watch it if you can. If you're in Australia, it's on uh, free to air on uh, SBS, I believe, On, um, on demand.